Okay, I've got uh, this red light that means I don't have much time, so I'll be short. Okay. Have you guys ever seen a movie where, where somebody has to go to court? Okay, what happens when the, the person who gets called to the witness stand, what, what happens? They, they, they pull out a Bible, and what do they, what do they make them do? Well, they read this. That would be a good idea. That would probably be a better idea than what they usually do. But, but they hold they hold out a Bible and they make the person put their hand on the Bible. Have you seen them do this in the movies? And what do and what do they make them say? I swear to. Well, I swear I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Have you heard people say that maybe in the movies? Okay, well, if you, that's where they do that in, in, in courtrooms. Um, even here in, in Kona, they do that in the court. They, they'll have people put their hand on the Bible and they'll say, make them say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Just hold on for just a second. I want to ask you a question first. Why do you think that they make the person put their hand on a Bible to say that? Why do you think they make them turn on a Bible? Exactly, because the Bible is the truth. The Bible is the Word of God. And so it's very symbolic that, that they put their hand on the Bible. Now, sadly, when a lot of people, for a lot of people these days, the Bible doesn't really mean anything. And they don't, I don't even think you actually have to go put your hand on the Bible anymore. But, but the Bible doesn't, they reject the Bible. And someone who's, who's going to lie in court doesn't really care about the Bible, right? But it's still a very symbolic. What do you think it means when, when, they, when they say, when they make you say, I swear to tell the truth. What do you think that means, Abby? Exactly. To tell, like, when they're asking, when the, the lawyers are asking the questions, or the judge asks questions, means they're going to tell the truth and not do what? Do it. No, and not. They're, not, they're going to tell the truth and not Lie, exactly. So they're going to tell the truth. The opposite of truth is lying. So they're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not going to lie. Okay, so that's, that's pretty straightforward. That's what it means to tell the truth. What do you think it means to, to, to tell the whole truth? What do you think that might mean? To tell the whole truth. Say, say it again. Yeah. Exactly, that's right. So you don't just put a, put a little tiny, you know, okay, your name's again, sorry? I don't tend to be part yet, but Haley and Kira. Kira. Okay, I can't tell you apart, but I'll, I'll learn, I'll figure it out. Um, so Haley said that it means that telling the whole truth means means not mixing a, a lie in with your truth. It's, it's have you ever heard of a half-truth? So a half-truth is, is when when you say something that's, well, it's not a whole lie, it's, it's, it's partly a lie. So an example of that in the Bible is, can you think of an example of the Bible? Somebody told half-truths? Well, sort of. Okay. Well, before you tell us or something like that. Yeah, fortune tellers, I think they tell, uh, well, how do you mean to explain that? What you, well, what you mean? Fortune, the fortune tellers tell the half-truths. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so she's saying a fortune teller, they don't really read the future. But they'll tell general things about you that are true to make you... That's actually a really good example. Can you think of anybody in the, in the Bible who, who tells half-truths? He lies all the time. He can't ever tell the truth, this person. Yeah? I was going to say Peter, because 
That's true. That, that's a whole lie. That's right. So Peter, he, to, he definitely told a lie there, and thankfully he repented. But I was, gonna, I was thinking you should think of the devil. Right? The Bible says, you can say the devil, yeah, because the devil is the father of lies. He can't ever tell the truth. And when he was tempting Jesus, he said things that are, are true, didn't he? He said, he said, it is written. He said, he said why don't you go, go um, up onto the top of the temple and throw yourself down to Jesus. And because, and because the, the Bible says that he will, will, um, will give his angels charge over you that you won't even dash your foot against the stone. He's saying that the, he's, what he's saying is true. But it's a half a truth. And Jesus answered with the whole truth. He said, well, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So the devil tells half truths. And you, and you could think, if you... Um, you guys think of an example maybe in, in, at home or in, in, in school when, when somebody might tell a half-truth? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Get to, a friend could, could, in order to cover for somebody, tell part of the truth in order to try to keep their friend out of getting in trouble. That's a good example. So we know now what it means to tell the truth and the whole truth. What about nothing but the truth? That was a little bit more confusing. Well, nothing but the truth and the whole truth, the same thing. It's a different word. Yeah, it's this, you're right. It's, it's similar, but there's a, there's a, a slightly different um, thing to it. Yeah? Yeah, exactly. That's a really good explanation. It means just saying what happened. Sometimes when, when well, anybody who's a really good liar, and I, I've met some, but somebody who's a really good liar, they'll, they'll, one of the, the main things that they'll do is they'll tell half-truths. You say, well, that part's true, so the rest of it might be true. But something else that a really good liar will do is that they will, they'll learn to um, redirect your thinking. Now, if you ask them a question, They'll answer in a way so that so that you you go away from the question. I'll try to explain that. If you if if um, if you if somebody at, at work or somebody in the in the classroom say is is has stolen something out of somebody else's desk. Okay, say say and and you 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 know who did it. You saw the you saw the person with with say it was an iPod. You're probably not allowed to have iPods at school, are you? Oh, you are? Okay. Oh, wow. So, so say somebody took someone else's iPod out of someone else's desk. And the teacher says, did you, did you steal that iPod? And they, they don't answer the question. They say, well, I've been, I've been that kid's friend for, for three years. So what they're saying is they're not actually answering the question, but they're... they're they're changing, the, the, they're trying to make themselves look as though they're honest when they're not. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, look what I've done for them, that kind of thing. So here's the, here's the question. Have you guys always, every time, always told the truth and the whole truth but nothing but the truth? So we have four nopes and one I don't know. <laughs> okay, so the reality is that we're, we all have lied, haven't we? 
every one of us. And for, for some people, trying to, to, to stop lying is like trying to quit smoking. Have you ever met anybody who smokes cigarettes and they, they want to get off, they want to stop smoking cigarettes, but they can't? Because it, it becomes, because they've told so many lies in their lives that their whole life is built on lies. And when, but when they try to stop lying, they can't. They can't. And, and I know that, that if, if, you, if you aren't a Christian, it is actually impossible for you to stop lying. That what you need to do is you need to put your trust in God so that He gives you a new heart and He forgives you. He forgives you for the lies that you told, and He helps you to obey in the future. So as we as we walk through this this message, we're looking at just one verse today, and it talks about how the Apostle Paul tells us to to stop lying and to start telling the truth, and gives us the reason why. Maybe you can think about about reason about times that, that you've lied, and, and maybe that that you need to ask forgiveness from God and, and maybe your parents or friends that you've lied to. Okay. Thanks, Dad. Let's pray one more time together. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, in you there is no darkness at all. Lord, as we examine this passage of Scripture, Lord, I pray that, that you would cause the light of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit to shine brightly in the dark places of our lives. Lord, help us to, I pray that you help us to see ways that we are still dishonest. That we are dishonest with you, that we are dishonest with ourselves, and that we are dishonest with one another. Lord, I pray that you help us to put off lying and to put on the truth. Lord, we pray this so that your name would be exalted in our midst, and that your church would be established and built up on truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many liars do we have here today? Okay, we've got a, we've got a few honest people. The reality is that when we consider what God's Word says about lying, that, that we are all liars. So if I was to ask you, have you ever told a lie? Of course everybody would say yes. If I was to ask you if, if you've lied in the, in the past year, I, I think just about all of us would say yes. But what about in the past month or the, the past week or even today? I don't think any of us would like to consider ourselves as liars. But I can pretty much guarantee that we all lie a lot more than we even realize. In 2002, there was a study from the uh, University of Massachusetts in, in which um, they, they, they had people interact in a conversation for 10 minutes. And they videoed that conversation. And they found that in that 
conversation that 60% of, of those who were studied lied at least once. 60%, over half. And that of those who had lied, in that 10 minutes, they lied an average of three times. Now, I think most of us, most of us who are here would like to think that we would be part of the 40%. We'd be part of the group that, 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 that told the truth for that, that whole 10 minutes. But here's kind of the, the, the surprising thing about that study, is that the liars thought that they were part of the 40% as well. That, that they didn't even realize that they had lied for the most part. So I think really the first person that they were lying to was, the, was themselves. When they, when they reviewed the video and, and sat down and, and watched the video, they, they were shocked at how often they had lied. Interestingly, the study also found that the lies of men and women differed in, in, uh, in content, but not in quantity. That, that men and women in this study lied just as much as each other. But here's, this is also interesting, that women tended to lie to make the person they were talking about feel good, whereas men tended to lie to make themselves look better. Now, men and women were both lying, but I'm sorry, men, you fared worse, at least in that study. Another study in 2008 also painted a, a pretty black picture of men and women, but a blacker picture of men. This study that showed that the average man lies six times a day. And the average woman lies three times a day. So men in this study were lying twice as often as men. Would anybody like to, to change your answer and, and admit that, that, you're, that you also are a liar? I have to, to say that this, uh, that poll was conducted by the 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment um, group and, and it was it was that study was done in order to uh, to promote a launch of a DVD series that they were um, promoting called it was called Lie to Me so so I got to say that their their poll wasn't 100% trustworthy but there's to, to paraphrase the famous quote there's three kinds of lies 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 cursed lies and statistics so so we have to realize that that those studies aren't aren't exactly uh, trustworthy, but we do need to admit that we all lie more often than we realize. <coughs> well, what do you think the most common lie that, that people tell is? It, it's one that, that you might have even said this morning. When somebody asked you how you were doing, if you said, I'm fine, but really you weren't, that's in reality, that's actually a lie. And that is the most common lie that both men and women commit, saying, I'm fine, when they're not. What are some other lies that people commonly tell? I'm on my way. I'll be there at 10. Sorry, I missed your call. That looks great on you. It was on sale. Nice to see you again. And one that I think is, is unique to Christians, I'll pray for you. Now, these things, apart from the prayer one, these, these all seem like relatively small things to lie about, but, 
but God's word says otherwise. See, God is, is commanding us to tell the truth always, at all times, with everybody, and especially, as, as we see in this passage, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's most common that, that people would tell lies about small things, things that are going to make them look good before others. They, they want to present a certain image. I'm athletic, or I'm outdoorsy, or, or I'm the perfect wife, or I'm a devoted husband, or I'm spiritual, or I've got it all together. And I think Facebook deserves special mention here. So on Facebook, or I'd probably miraculously call it Falsebook, uh, people present an image of what they want to be. They, they present an image of, of how they want others to perceive them. And so it's, it's fiction mixed with fact. It's like we're talking about the kids there. It's half-truths. Now, it's natural to want to present yourself in the best possible light. But is it really you? Is it really you? Any deception, whether it's giving false information or withholding important information or distorting the truth, is a lie. It's a lie. Anything less than the truth is a lie. Anything less than the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth is a lie. Would you here this morning like to be free? To be free from lying for the glory of God? Well, this morning the Apostle Paul is going to tell you how, and he's going to tell you why. He's going to give you the method and the motivation. This morning we're continuing our study of Ephesians chapter 4 and the, the practical instruction that the Apostle Paul began in, in chapter 4, verse 1. After laying the, the theological foundation in the first three chapters, he moves on to this very practical instruction in, in these remaining three chapters of the, the book of Ephesians. He, he's telling the Ephesians and us how to respond to the work of the gospel in our lives. He, he's telling us what we should do in response to what God has done for us in Christ. And he, he had given more general instructions in verses 17 to 24, as we talked about last week, with the command to put off the old self and to put on the new self. The, the old self was, was corrupt through deceitful desires. But the new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So he's saying, Put off sinful thinking and put on righteous thinking. Put off sinful behavior and put on righteous behavior. But now in the remainder of the section, Paul gets very specific. He's very specific about thinking and behavior. And he's going to list several things, areas in which we are to put off and to put on. And there's a clear pattern in these, in these verses of the negative command and then the positive command and then the motivation. The negative command, then the positive command, and the motivation. We're going to see it several times over the next several weeks. <coughs> Paul tells us to put off this, the particular sinful behavior and put on the particular opposite righteous behavior and provides the motivation as to why. And here in Ephesians 4.25, he's telling Christians to put off lying and to put on truth-telling. And the motivation that he gives might actually surprise you. Might actually surprise you. So let's let's start then with, with how Paul tells us to put off lying. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, because of everything that is just said, not only in the immediate 
in the verses immediate, but because of everything that he just said prior to that, about the, the, the grounding of the gospel, therefore put off, there, so therefore having put away falsehood. We're born liars, aren't we? We're born liars. You do not have to teach a child how to lie. It comes as naturally to a child as breathing because of their sinful nature. And so from a very young age, they'll, they'll lie to get themselves out of trouble. They'll lie to get others in trouble. Or, or sometimes they'll lie for what just seems like, like no reason at all. But thankfully, usually children aren't very good at it. And so as parents, we can, we can pick up when they're lying. But as they grow older, they become more sophisticated. They become better at lying. And they, they learn how, how they get caught out in a lie so they, they don't want to give it away. I remember a student that I had years ago, and, and he, was, he was in grade three, so he would have been eight or nine. And he'd done something wrong. I, I don't remember what it was, but, but it was something pretty bad. And I pulled him aside and, and went to talk to him about it. And I, I was pretty confident that he'd done it. And he looked me, he looked way up at me, and looked me in the eye and lied. He said that he hadn't done it. And he completely snowed me. I was, I was, I thought, wow, I must be wrong. But then later on, I found out that he'd actually lied to me. And, and I was shocked that, that a child that young could have learned to lie that well at, at such a young age. But then later on that year, there was another incident. And again, I, I spoke about it, but, but and again, he lied very convincingly. This was a, was a pattern for, for him. This, this child was good at it. It, it came naturally. But the reality is it, it comes naturally to all of us. Just some are better at it than others. Apostle Paul describes the human condition in Romans 3, verses 12 and 13. He says, All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. He, he, in that section of Romans, he's, he's giving an indictment on the whole human race, that the whole human race is under sin. And so it's, it's across the board. They use their tongues to deceive. He says the venom of asps is under their lips. But, but still, no one likes to think of themselves as a liar. Similar to, to thief, the word liar is, is a word that even habitual offenders wouldn't want applied to themselves. Someone might say, yeah, I steal things, but I'm not a thief. And so a liar would say, sure, I tell lies, but I'm not a liar. But, but you, what do you call a person who lies? You call them a liar. There's an, an appropriate name for the person. In order to understand the truth about lies, you need to understand what God's word says. You all heard the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, Exodus 20.16. And maybe some here might think that they haven't broken that, that commandment, but, but I think it would be helpful to hear the fuller sense and the explanation of the commandment from the Heidelberg Catechism. In answer to the question, what is required of the ninth commandment, the catechism says that I, that I bear false witness against no man. 
nor falsify any man's words, that I be no backbiter, no slanderer, that I do not judge, nor join in condemning any man rashly or unheard, that I avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil, unless I would bring down upon me the heavy wrath of God. Likewise, that in judgment and all other dealings I love the truth, speak it uprightly, and confess it, so that I defend and promote as much as I am able the honor and good character of my neighbor. It's a very full orb response of what honesty requires, of the level of honesty that God requires of us. It is perfect honesty across the board, in everything, at all times. And so lying isn't just those big, bold-faced lies. It's, it's often more subtle. Lying is, is often so subtle that we even deceive ourselves. And so lying is, is often in, in smaller things. Things that make us appear, that we think will make us appear likable. But any deceit, any deceit, even so-called white lies, is still lying. Any form of flattery, complimenting someone so as to manipulate them or to, to get them to like you, is lying. Anytime you speak ill of a brother or sister in Christ and, and, and really denying or ignoring who they are in Christ, it's lying. Anytime you enter into false and, and presumptive judgment of someone, it's lying. Anytime you withhold an important piece of information from someone to whom you're accountable, it's lying. Anytime you mislead someone by, by, by redirecting the conversation or, or answering a question with a half-truth is lying. Anything less than the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth is lying. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? But even if we're not habitual liars, this means that there is still sin in our hearts. But we know that, that as Christians we've been given new hearts, right? We've been given a new heart, but we still can't trust our hearts. Our heart is, is still seeking to deceive and, and often to deceive us. And so we have to admit that we all struggle with dishonesty sometimes. But look again at Ephesians 4.25 at that first phrase and see what Paul's saying here. Some of the English translations don't really get the sense, but the ESV and the NASB are the closest here. It says, having put away falsehood. Having put away falsehood. So, so really this isn't, this isn't a present tense imperative. This is something that, that in relation to, 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 he's saying it's already happened. Because you've already done that, now do this. He's saying because you've already put off lying, put on the truth. And so, so really, what he's, he's, he's here assuming that he's speaking to Christians, to those who have already, to, 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 they're, they're already new creatures of Christ, that they've already put off lying. But he's acknowledging that, that even though they are Christians, they, they're still not perfect, that they still struggle with lying. And this is also true for all of us. 
And we talked about this last week. This is again the already but not yet. Romans 6 verses 6 and 7 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would be no longer enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. And so your old self is already dead. It's already dead. It's been crucified with Christ. And through the gospel you have been given a new nature. And so through the gospel you've been given the power to overcome sin. Even the sin of lying. But the final victory over sin has not yet taken place. It will not until Christ returns. So again, until, until then, you are dead, so live like it. So whether it's bold-faced lies, or deception, or exaggeration, or making up stories, or white lies, or flattery, or slander, or judgment, or half-truths, or broken commitments, they are all lies. And such were all of you. And such were all of us. As Christians, you have been given a new heart. Yes, that's true. And so, so you have the ability, through the gospel, to overcome lying. And right behavior, as we discussed last week, starts with right thinking. And so prior to coming to Christ, you had absolutely no hope of being honest. You just... Where a child was born as a liar and just grew up, and then you might have learned some some outward conformity to rules that that would would put a, a, a that would would limit your lying, but you're still a liar. But now, because of God's power at work in you, you are now free. You are now able to overcome lying, and so it is true that you are no longer a liar. In the eternal sense, you are no longer a liar. And then in the practical day-to-day, -day, you work that out in the power of the gospel. Again, the gospel provides the means for you to overcome lying. So what, what is it that you do? What do you do when you realize that you've lied? And, and maybe, the, the, and I pray that the Holy Spirit has been at work, maybe in hearts here even this morning, to, to bring lies to your attention. What do you do with that? Well, you confess it and ask forgiveness. You confess your sin to God. 1 John 1 9 says, if, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to forgive us, or sorry, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, first and foremost, our sin, all sin is against God, so we confess it to Him. But then we confess our sin to the one against whom we have lied. And we ask their forgiveness. That's, that's, that's the way to be able to overcome sin. And so you can tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. So that's the, the negative command, and now the positive command, put on truth. Put on truth. In this second phrase, Paul here is, is quoting Zechariah 8.16, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. And this is going to be important when we get to the next point. But like we discussed last week, it's not enough to stop doing the sinful behavior. You need to replace it with righteous behavior. So you stop lying, now start telling the truth. Be honest with one another. Be committed to 100% honesty. 
If you're, count, if you're recounting events, be as accurate as possible. Be real. Be vulnerable. When you're struggling, tell someone. Tell them you need help. If you say you're going to be somewhere at a certain time, be there and be there on time. This is one that, that, that I fail in too often. Let your yes be yes and no be no. Let us be men and women of our word. If somebody offends you, tell God. And then lovingly talk to them, not to other people. Again, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Now, I do need to make two points of qualification here. You do not need to tell everybody everything. In fact, you need wisdom in order to know how much to tell whom and, and, and to, in order to, to choose people that you're going to be, to, to have as confidants. I'm going to talk about this also later on, but, but it, you need to build relationship with somebody in order to, to, uh, to build up that, that kind of, of closeness where you have a, the, the opportunity to be able to share those things with you so that you're not level jumping. I remember many years ago, I was a... Um, a guy I just met as a, and, uh, from was it, when I was in Narcotics Anonymous, and and uh, I started talking about about my past, and you know, just it was, and just like his, he had his jaw drop because he, he wasn't ready to be able to hear those things. We didn't have that kind of friendship yet. We need wisdom and to think about the timing about how how it's going to be received. So that's that's the first qualification, and the second one is that you are not always required to answer people's questions. You're not always required to answer people's questions. This was, was true of, of Jesus. When the, the Pharisees asked him questions, he discerned their hearts and, and he determined that he quite often he actually didn't even answer them or, or he answered a question with a question. So you don't need to necessarily answer someone's questions even if they're an authority in your life. If they're asking, if, if it, it seems like they're asking from a sinful motive, Years ago, I, I had a boss who would like to, to stir the pot by asking really uncomfortable questions. And I felt obligated to answer because he was my boss. But in those situations, it would have been entirely appropriate for me to, to, and wiser for me to answer his question with a question. I, I could have humbly and respectfully replied, why are you asking? I didn't need to actually answer those questions. And that the same can be true sometimes. Um, maybe you've had conversations like this with, with somebody who's, who's really antagonistic to the gospel. And, and they're asking you questions about the gospel, but they don't really want to know the answer. They just want to, want to try to pick it at your beliefs. And then it's, a, it's appropriate to answer the question with a question. Say, well, like Jesus said, say, why, are you, why are you asking? Do you, or the, the disciples said, why are you asking? Do you too want to follow him? And so there's, there's a place and wisdom to, to not answer questions. You're still being truthful, but you're just not answering. Friends, when your mouth is full of truth, when your mouth is full of truth, lies won't come out. When your mouth is full of truth, lies won't come out. But in order for your mouth to be full of truth, your heart needs to be full of truth. In Matthew 12, 24, read that, that it, is, it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. 
In Philippians 4 8, where we're told that whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. So what is the, the most true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy thing you can think of? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth that sets you free from lying is the truth of the gospel. And so preach the truth of the gospel to yourself. And since most lying really comes from wanting others to, to think well of you and not to think ill of you, remember who you are in Christ because of the gospel. R remember that God's love for you is, is on the basis of, of His perfect and holy Son, not on the basis of your performance. That, that God loves you regardless of how you live your life. But because he is so gracious and so loving, then that makes you want to respond out of obedience and love for him. So remember who you are to God. That, that God himself loves you intimately. So you don't need to be so concerned about what other people think of you. It's really a matter of, of fearing God instead of fearing man. So the, the, the corollary of that is, is, is loving God so that you have a right perspective of the love of man. And so when you think about the truth, it's, it, it enables you to be able to walk in the truth. You need to remember that, that you'll be free to be real. When God's verdict is what matters to you, and God's verdict for you in Christ is, is not guilty. In fact, it's not even just not guilty. It's 100% righteous. When you know that that's the verdict that has been given to you, then the opinions of others ceases to have power over you. You'll be free to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. I'm going to come back to Ephesians 4.15 again in a few minutes. But for now, just consider that we are to speak the truth in love. But speaking the truth here that, that Paul has in mind here and back in in verse 15, is not just the truth as opposed to lying. It's, it's not just about being honest about the size of the fish, the size of the fish that you caught. It, it's not just about, about stopping with white lies or exaggerate or exaggeration or flattery or, or half-truths or half-truths and so on. When you're focused on the truth, then those lies don't even come into your mind. Again, what is the first and the most important truth that you can think of? The gospel. It's the first and most important truth that you can think of, and it's the first and most important truth that you can speak of. It is the most important thing that you can talk about. And the gospel, as we saw last week, the gospel is the truth that in God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Ephesians 4.24, the, the NASB, which is the most accurate there. It's also the truth that is in Jesus, Ephesians 4.21. So when we speak the truth, we are reflecting God's character. God cannot lie. And so his, his people who are being sanctified in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, for, for them it is increasingly impossible for them to lie as well as the Lord works in your heart. This is what happens this is in, the, in the process of, of working to, to fight against those, those fleshly sins that, that can so easily trap us. This is not just let go and let God. We have to strive. We have to fight for this 
in the, in the strength of God, we have to learn to fight using the sword, of, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What is the great commandment? That you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you love your neighbors? Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth is especially the truth of the gospel. And you can do that through the gospel. The gospel gives you the means to be able to tell others the truth. So speak the truth with your neighbor. And that brings us then to our final point. Why? Why must we speak the truth with our neighbor? We've been talking about the means. Well, well what's the motivation? If someone were to ask you why you should put off lying and start telling the truth, what would you say? Because God commands us not to lie? Well, that is true. But that's not the reason that Paul gives. Would you say because lying dishonors God and speaking the truth honors God? That is also true, but that also isn't the reason that, that Paul gives here. Because lying dishonors others and speaking the truth honors them? Well, that's getting closer to the, to the true issue, but that's not quite it either. Paul says that we are to stop lying and to start telling the truth because we are members of one another. Because we're members of one another, because we belong to one another. Now, now that would have made my top five list. That's the reason why Paul gives. He gives us motivation because we belong to one another. He's saying, Paul's telling us here to put off lying and to put on truthfulness because our relationships depend on it. Because our relationships depend on honesty. So let's consider again the passage that Paul is quoting here. It's, it's Zechariah 8.16. Commentator P.T. O'Brien explains that the context of Zechariah follows the divine promises that the people of God will inhabit Zion, the new Jerusalem, which Zechariah says will be called the city of truth. So the people of the city will be characterized by truth, righteousness, and holiness. And thus the neighbor, one who is a member of that community, can expect to be dealt with truthfully. So one of the, the, the main components or one of the main aspects of the relationships in, in the, the heavenly city is truth and an ability to understand and to, to trust people that they are going to speak the truth with us. They're going to speak the truth with us. Now, of course, we're supposed to speak the truth at all times, but within the, the, the people of God, the stakes are higher. Within the people of God, the stakes are higher. It is even more important that you tell the truth because we are a body. We're a body, and deception in any form hurts the whole body. Repeatedly in the New Testament, the church is referred to as a body. But we see it throughout Ephesians in, in 1.23, in 2.16, in 4.4, and 12. And, and in 5.30, Paul writes, he says that, that we are members of Christ's body. We are members of Christ's body. And in the body, there is, there is mutual dependence and interdependence. We, we really need each other in the body. In, in many cultures around the world and throughout history, 
this was kind of a given because it was because community was really important part of the, the cultural dynamic. But Western culture has become so fragmented and so self-oriented that, that these things are, are really, they become very foreign to us in, in, every, in, in every way. Even in the church. We need to understand that we need each other, that, that we belong to each other. Look at, again at, at, at chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Speaking of the truth and love, the body grows into the head, into Christ. The body builds itself up in love. And it's through speaking the truth in love that the body grows. So it's vital that the body speak the truth. Remember just how, how much unity has come into Paul's arguments um, in, in Ephesians, especially in the second half of chapter 16. I won't go there for the sake of time, but, but he says that, that we are reconciled. We are both, and there he's talking about Jew and Gentile. We are reconciled, both of us, to God in one body. There is there is one new man. God has made peace between us and God through the cross. And therefore, peace with each other comes also through the cross. And in order for us to have right relationships in the body, we need to be able to trust each other. We need to be able to trust each other. We belong together, so it's imperative that we are 100% honest with one another. And as part of that, that means that we need to be honest with each other about where we're struggling. I was, I was talking to a, a leader at another church who um, was talking about there's, there's a family that is involved in, in their care group, and there's people, there are people that I know, and he's saying that he knows some of the issues that are going on in that family, but, but they won't talk about it. That, that as the, the leader is trying to, to, to talk about it with them and to, to bring it to, to light in the gospel, they're just, they're not saying a word. And so what's happening is, is that they're, they're, they're creating a, a schism with, within that group. And other people are, are sharing about the struggles of their lives and they're just being silent. Now there's trust issues and there's things there that need to be developed, but, but we need each other in order to be able to help each other. And so you really need, all of us need people, other Christians in our lives, in our church family, with whom we can be 100% honest. 100% honest and accountable so that they can help us to grow. This is, this is part of what it means to be part of a church. So if you're lying to other parts of the body, you need to understand that because we belong to each other, you're really lying to yourself. Fourth century pastor John Chrysostom illustrated this truth well. He said, if the eye sees a serpent, does it deceive the foot? If the tongue tastes what is bitter, does it deceive the stomach? It, 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 didn't make, it wouldn't make sense that, that we, the parts of the body need each other. They work together. If, I was telling Joshua, I was, I was kind of complaining, I'm a bit of a wimp about these things, but I had ingrown toenail. If I had an ingrown toenail, oh my goodness, it hurt. This one little tiny part of my body, I couldn't even sleep at night. I had to get up and try to dig it out. It was really quite gross. But, but what if, if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. And, and to the degree that, that we understand, to the degree that we understand that is the degree to which we will enjoy the fellowship and the unity that God has called us to in this church family. 
Think for a moment about the, the, the time that you found out that somebody was lying to you. How did you feel? How did you feel about that person? Were they able to earn your trust again? How long did it take? Earlier I told you about that, that student that, that I had who had lied to me. Well, I forgave him, but our relationship was changed. Our relationship was changed. The, the consequences of his lying were far, far worse than whatever it was that he'd done wrong. I can't even remember what he'd done. But I remember the lie. Now, eventually, he, he did uh, earn my trust again in a, in a unique situation. I ended up being his teacher for, for several years. And, uh, and he did gradually earn my trust again. In fact, we, we stayed in touch. But, but it, it took a lot of time. There was damage that was done. By your words, you were either building up or you were destroying. The words that come out of your mouth are either building up or destroying. There's other ways that Paul's going to talk about how this can happen, but one of the primary ways that we can destroy fellowship is through dishonesty. dishonesty. But our truth-telling, as it goes beyond just being, being honest with each other, and about means when we speak right doctrine to each other, and we, we speak the truth in love and, and bring the light of God's Word to bear in each other's lives, we are, we are causing the church to be built up in love. This is the way that it's always worked. The right word in the right time from the right heart. And the church is built up in love. Let's pray together. <coughs> Lord, I thank you that you have made us new men and women in Christ. Lord, that, that you have removed the heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh, that, that you have changed us from being rebels and, and enemies to be your friends and to be worshipers. Lord, I thank you that, that you have called us not as individuals, but you have called us together as one people in Christ. Collectively, we are the bride of Christ. This local church is a, a, a local manifestation of the body of Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you for this church. And I pray, Lord, that, that we will be known to be people of our word. Lord, that we will be able to implicitly trust one another. Lord, that as we speak the truth in love, that, that you will build up this church in love. Lord, would you help us all to be, to be honest with you, to be honest with each other, to be honest with ourselves. And Lord, help us to seek out individuals from this church family with, with whom we can openly and honestly share what our struggles are and what our hopes and our desires are. We can seek accountability. <clears throat> Lord, that, that every member of this church, that every person who calls this church their home, Lord, would see that, that it's, it's a responsibility that we all have to build the church up in love. Lord, would you do that in our midst? Would you help us to so love you and love each other that, that it's just that what 
even, even as at one point in our lives, lying came as naturally as breathing, Lord, that instead truth would come out as naturally as breathing, especially the truths of the gospel. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. I will be saved.